Good morning, Burlington Baptist Church. Good to see everybody. Wow, what a week, huh? Snowing and raining and sunny, and it's just been a crazy. Everybody had a perfect week. Nothing went wrong. We had a wonderful week, right? Y'all awake this morning? Are you out there? Say hello, yeah? My name is Kent, and I'm the senior pastor. I'm so glad that you're here today. If you're a guest, we want to welcome you and hope that you felt at home and feel at uh, home to worship with us. We're going to continue our uh, uh, series today as we look at the scripture and talk about the topic of temptation. Now, there's something we need to talk about, isn't it? You know, it reminds me of a story that I heard about a guy that was trying to get in shape. And uh, so he was, he was trying to watch his diet. And he was doing exercising and watching what he was eating and so forth. And he loved this donut store. And on the way to work, he was so committed to this that he, that he would go another way to, to not go by the donut store. Why am I standing over here by Jeff? This guy was, uh, he didn't want to be tempted. So he, he would drive around another way to keep from being tempted about these donuts and these coffee cakes they had at the store. And one day, he just couldn't stand it. And he drove by and he looked and they had this display in the window. And it was like, man, it looks good, you know. Mouth watering. And he's thinking about that coffee cake that he liked. And and so anyway, he, he took it into work. When we got to work, all of his people worked with him and said, hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. You were supposed to be working so hard on this. And, and so, you know, what happened? He said, well, I want to tell you what happened. He said, here's what happened. He said, I, I went around, I went up there and I saw the window. I went around that place. I saw the window. And he said, I decided that, that I would pray. And if it was the Lord's will for me to get a coffee cake, he'd open up that front parking spot right by the door. And he said, I drove around it eight times and it finally came open. And I knew that God was leading me. I don't know about you, but sometimes that's the way we are with temptation, isn't it? And so when we, we, we're all in this together, we all get tempted at times. I mean, the devil even tempted Jesus himself. And so we should think perhaps that maybe we could have a plan in place. I never thought about this. You know, I mean, when temptation hits me, it's like, boom, and it hits, and it's like, wow. But I never really thought about having a plan in place about how to fight temptation. So today, I want us to look at a passage of Scripture uh, as we read, and it's in the uh, book of Corinthians. But before we do that, let's pray together and ask God's blessing on this passage. Father, thank you that uh, you are with us, even in the temptation, even in the good and bad days, you're there, God. And thank you for that. Thank you for loving us, Lord. As we open your scriptures today and as we look at your word, I pray, God, that your word goes out and that you would touch hearts, Lord, and that you would give us strength in knowing that the times that we are in are very difficult and the temptations on every hand. And so, God, help us to have a plan that involves you because we can't do this on our own, Lord. And so we thank you for your, for your blessing of the Holy Spirit that's in us, and we pray, God, that as the word goes out today, the Holy Spirit would speak to each of us. We would get what we would need and that we can learn to be more victorious in our spiritual walk. Father, give me the gift of preaching, not for my glory, but for yours today, God. May you be glorified in everything that we do. We pray it in Jesus' name, and everybody together said, amen. There was a church in the New Testament. It was in a city called Corinth. Corinth was a pretty crazy town. They had a lot of things going on there, a lot of temptations, and Paul writes to this church. He gives them instructions. And he tells them in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 through 13, this is what he says. Let's pull that up there. Here we go. If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Now watch this. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure. Last week, we looked at that last verse. Today, we're going to look at the verse before that, verse 12. You know, temptation can lead to sin in our lives, and then when sin happens, 
It wreaks havoc upon us, doesn't it? It happened with Adam and Eve. We defined temptation last week as anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience. We looked at a passage last week that taught us, and we read it again this morning, that there's always a way out. But i got to tell you, sometimes I'm not looking for that way out. When somebody cuts me off and I'm riding my Harley and, and I'm not you know, feeling real good about that, the first thing I'm not thinking about is a way out, maybe a way out of the situation. But I want to get right, you know. And get, <laughs> Am I the only one that does this kind of stuff? Or is this? Yeah. <laughs> there's always a way out. Whenever we're in this situation, there's always a way out. We learned last week about temptation, that it's not a sin to be tempted. We're going to be tempted. We also learned last week that you and I are never above temptation. We learned last week that God will never tempt us. And the fourth thing is there's always a way out. Temptation is real. It's affected our lives. And whether we want to believe it or not, there is evil in the world. There's evil in the world. Have you ever noticed that the word evil is live spelled backwards? Isn't that interesting? And I believe that temptation is the devil's way of trying to turn us around backwards. And yes, I believe that there's a devil. Oh, really? I do. I believe that. I believe there's a devil and I believe evil exists in this world. We live in a world where sinfulness is shown to be acceptable in many cases. But thanks be to God. We're not stuck in this world alone, church. Jesus Christ is with us. And he walks with us. And he gives us the power. He was tempted. Think about this. The devil had the audacity to even tempt the very Son of God. And what did Jesus do? Jesus had a plan. He quoted Scripture. The only perfect man who ever lived could be tempted, and none of us are exempt from that. We're going to be visiting this topic today as we talk about it. But as we go into this, I want you to think about temptations in your life. I want to think about the temptations in my life. As I wrote this and prayed over this, I began to think about the things in my life that I need to work on. And as we look at this passage, we're going to look at more in the solutions that we can come up with on this and how we can uh, overcome temptation in our lives. I want you to think about what that temptation is that gets you most uncomfortable. Perhaps you're a person that criticizes everything. That can be a temptation, can it? Criticism. Yeah, absolutely. And perhaps maybe, maybe you're into substance abuse. It definitely can wreak havoc on our lives. Maybe, maybe pornography. You know, it's a very real problem in our world. Maybe we're sitting here today saying, man, I'll tell you the truth. I wish so-and-so was here so they could hear this. Or maybe we're thinking, oh, yeah, somebody said, yeah, I hope they hear this. You know, if, if we're doing that, there's a really good chance that our temptation is pride if we're doing that. Because we're not looking at ourselves. You see, temptation doesn't always start out as something big. If it would come at us head on, it'd be awesome sometimes, you know what I mean? But sometimes it kind of creeps in. It kind of comes in just as a little at a time. Maybe it starts, you know, when somebody's saying something, and then the next thing you know, we react and we respond, and, and it's always there. But the little things are the ones that can eat at us sometimes. And then they come into big things, they get blown up. Can I get a witness? Solomon, the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, look what he says about temptation. The little foxes that eat the vines of life. It's the little things that are overlooked that often spoil the things of value for others. Bobby Leach. Bobby Leach was an Englishman. He got everybody's attention in the early 1920s. You know what he did? 
he built this thing, like a barrel-looking thing, if you Google it and go on and look at it. He built this thing, and, and he, was, he was one of the first people, actually he was the second person to ever go over Niagara Falls and survive. Bobby Leach did that. That's a big deal. But you know what happened a few years later? Bobby Leach was doing a publicity tour, and he wasn't paying attention. And the man that went over Niagara Falls and survived slipped on an orange peel, broke his leg, infection set in, and it killed him. Temptation can be like that as well. It can be a little thing that starts out. If we're not paying attention, if we're not watching, if we get dependent on our own power, temptation has the power to destroy us. How many times have we seen that in our lives? How many times have we seen it? I've seen it. I share it. We talk about it. The Apostle Paul warns us about temptation. As we look at the scripture, we see that he says that we're all subject to temptation. As we studied last week, we can see that he says, but there's always a way out. I want, if you don't get anything else out of here today, when you walk out of here and go, you know what, when you get tempted, there's always a way out. That's what I remember. I think if we we're aware of the fact that there is a way out, we would consider it. How is that? You know, I read an article about the five steps of temptation. There are five steps, they say, in temptation. The first step of temptation is the thought. Thought comes into our mind. Boy, I would sure love to blah, blah, blah. Boy, I blah, blah, blah. It's a thought. And then what happens, our imagination is the second step. If I did this or if I did that or if, it, if, I, would, if it, I had this, it can be whatever it is that we're tempted by that takes us away from obedience and following God. And then the imagination runs wild. That's the second step. And then the third step is justification. Oh, I owe this to myself. This is blah, 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 you know. It won't hurt anything. Just once. And then we make the choice. And then what happens? The consequences. Temptation always starts with a thought. However, if we realize in that first few minutes that are critical, we can determine instead of of what to do, we can find that God's in our lives and we can fight that because there's what? Say it with me. Always a way out. If we decide beforehand that we're going to deal with temptation when it comes our way, I bet you some of you are sitting here today looking at me thinking, he is crazy. He is crazy. What is he thinking? He has no idea what I'm up against. Oh, I think I might, might have a little idea. Think about it. If we're prepared for something ahead of time, doesn't it seem to make sense that our odds of winning are better? If we've prepared a strategy to take it on, for example, if I know this is my sin, if I know this is one of my pitfalls, if I prepare myself, and when that thought comes into my mind, I give it to God. We can overcome it, and there can be a way out. The Bible talks about how that we can be prepared in another passage of Scripture. I want you to grab a hold of this one. This is so good. And it involves submitting ourselves to God. The scripture says in James chapter 4, verse 7, watch this. So, humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will what? Flee from you. What? Five steps for temptation, and there's two that we can overcome. Did you catch it? Humble yourself before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Fighting temptation. Can that really be done? The Bible says and teaches us that we can overcome temptation with God's help. 
not by ourselves. The Bible also says that greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. I was involved in, in uh, Tennessee for a long time. I was working with a program with some folks that were in a program. And you know what the first step is? Admitting that we're powerless over whatever this is. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to have power in things. You know what I mean? I like to think I'm in control. And I'm a mess most of the time. But when we recognize that we don't have a power over it, and then we give it to God, and we believe in a power greater than ourselves. He died, was buried, and rose again. And the power of that resurrection lives within us. And he can help us through various things and various things. Greater is he. You see, it makes a difference when we've submitted ourselves to God and allowed him into our lives. Now, let's talk about that for just a minute. When it says to submit ourselves to the Lord, what does that look like? Well, I think it means that we give ourselves to him and his will and his way. What does that mean? That means involving ourselves and swallowing up everything that he has to put in us and to help us to overcome those things. I see this over and over again. Folks come into the church and then all of a sudden they get involved and they start reading the scripture. They start praying on a daily basis. First thing they do in the morning, they get up, they pray, they give it to the God. They submit themselves and you know what happens? You see a change start happening. This isn't some made up thing. This is what the gospel message is all about. We start by submitting ourselves to the Lord, and we change. There's a story in the Old Testament. Uh, perhaps some of you have heard it. Some of you may, may not be familiar with it, but it's a, it's a very interesting story. The guy's name uh, is Joseph. And Joseph was a son of a gentleman named Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. Now follow with me on this for just a minute, if you will, because this story kind of talks about and shows us what happens when we submit to the Lord. Joseph was the baby boy of these 12 sons. Jacob loved him. He loved him so much, he was the child of his later life. And so he kind of favored him. The Bible says that he favored him. And so these older brothers and sisters were like, yeah, you know, he's the one. You know, he's the one. But his daddy favored him. You know what he did? He made a coat for him. He made a coat, and it was many colors. That Dolly Parton song, I guess, you know what I mean? Coat of many colors. So he gives him this coat, and here's this youngest kid, and he's walking around flaunting this coat, going, you know, see this, don't you? Look at my coat. And his brothers are going, yeah, I got the coat. I see the coat, right? And Joseph loved the Lord, but his brothers didn't like him at all. In fact, they began to hate him. And to make things worse, Joseph has this gift of interpreting dreams. And, and he has this dream, and he, and he tells him about it. He says, I have this dream, and, and one day we'll be bundling sheaves, and, and I'll have big sheaves, and, and God's going to bless it, and you're going to have small sheaves. And man, that really went over well, you know what I mean? It wasn't enough. And then he talked about someday he would rule the moon and the stars, the sun and the moon and the stars, and, and how that God would share him and use him. But his brothers, they didn't like him at all. So one day, the boys decided, we're going to take him out and we're going to cook dinner. We'll just get rid of him. And they decided that they didn't want to kill him, but so what they decided to do was that they would just uh, sell him off. The Egyptians came through, and they, they took him, and they, they sold him off and sold him into slavery. They got rid of him, and they kept a piece of his garment, and they killed an animal and smeared blood all over it, went back to their dad and said what was done, and his, his father grieved. So Joseph winds up in, in Egypt, and he's working for this, this Egyptian that he was sold into slavery. He works for this captain's family who's in the home. Now, this is Joseph. He has a relationship with God. And the Bible says in Genesis 39, verse 2, that the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded 
in everything he did. Well, it don't sound like he succeeded to me. His brothers, you know, gave him away. He winds up in this Egyptian home as a servant, but God's blessing him. Do you see what I'm showing, what's happening here? That didn't take away the situations of his life, but God was using him, and he loved the Lord. And so he's in this captain's house, and he's working, and the captain had a wife. And the wife liked old Joe. She thought Joe was a good-looking fella. And so she starts after him. She kept putting pressure on him. She kept trying to make passes with him. Joseph had the Lord with him. Finally, one day, when no one was around, she really came up and put some heavy-duty pressure on him. And he said to her, great sin, this would be a great sin against God if I did this. This is the captain's wife. This is the boss's wife. We're in a little bit of a pickle here, you know what I mean? And so she gets upset, and he gives her this thing, and it would be sinning against God. She grabs the arm of his coat or grabs a piece of his clothing. He loves the Lord. You know what he did? He ran. He was submitted to God. He resisted the devil, and he ran. And he left her standing there with this piece of clothing. Man, you can't make this stuff. This is like something you see on television. This is like a series. Can you imagine her anger? Well, if you read on, she was pretty uptight about this. So she, you know what she does? She's standing there holding this piece of clothing. She starts screaming. They all come running in the room. And she says, he tried to, you know, take advantage of me. So you know what happens to Joseph? Joseph, the one that the Lord was with, the one that followed God, he gets thrown in prison now. So not only does his brothers dump him, get rid of him, but he gets in a situation, he winds up in prison, but the Lord was with Joseph, and there's always a way out. You know what Joseph did? He didn't complain. He went in there, and he started working. He started working. And he's working in the prison. And everything that he did, it says in verse 22, everything he did succeeded. And then he's in the, he's in the prison, and he's working under the Egyptian pharaoh, which is a king, okay? Just bear with me. This, we're almost to the end of this story. Pharaoh has a dream. He calls in all of his guys, all the smart people. None of them can interpret this dream. And, and one of the guys said, you know what, there's this little, there's this little Hebrew kid down here. He, he, he can interpret dreams. He goes in, and they bring him in, and, and the Lord was with him. See, there's, there's so much. In, I could spend time just on that right there. You may be in a situation right now in your life that this is not where you want to be. You may be in a situation in your life where you say, this is not what I, you know what, work toward getting out of it. But here's the other thing. Let God use you while you're there. He places us in places. And he's with you. And if we submit to him, things will get better right out of the gate. I'm not saying your circumstances will change, but I'm saying it'll be better because you've already changed then. Can I get an amen on that? Joseph goes to the Pharaoh. Now, this is a pretty big deal. He interprets this dream, and you know what he says? He says, here's the deal, bottom line. There's going to be seven years of good and seven years of bad, famine, crops. Here's what you need to do. And the Pharaoh believed him, and they planted their crops, and they did what they said. And what happened as it came to pass, all of the countries around them didn't have any food, including Joseph's brothers. One day, Joseph, because he's been moved up now, he's the governor. Do you see what's happening, how God's blessing this? He's making a bad situation really, really awful. 
He's using him. And, and, and Joseph submitted himself to the Lord. you got to catch this. He submitted him. He could have just kept running wild this way, but he didn't. He submitted himself to the Lord. And one day, he's out there while the feud distribution is going on, and he looks up. Now, this didn't just happen in a couple of months. This passed by a few years. It passed by fast. And he looks up, and guess who he sees in the food line? Joseph. Now, <laughs> what do you think he's going to do? Yeah, well, screw me. I'm the Pharaoh's No. No, he played a little. He messed with him a little bit. He says, go back and tell your father. I think you guys are spies. Go back and get your dad and tell him what's going on and blah, blah, blah. And then his father came back. He revealed himself, and he said, you are a very wicked man. And that is what God can do in our life when we are careful. Look at his life. He was reunited with his brothers. You say, Kent, can this really be done? That was a true story that I just read to you. And you know what? There are other stories in here. We talked about David last week. What does it mean to submit ourselves to God? Does that mean come in here and sit every Sunday and go through the motions? No. What that means is that we have a heart change in our lives and come in here and do the motions and worship God and let him transform us. Let him transform us. How do we do that? How do we submit ourselves? You know, Paul gives us a, a good thing here in, in, the book of, in the book of Ephesians. He gives us a great example. And I've read this before since I've been preaching here. And you've heard this before, but I think we need to hear it again. You want to know how to overcome temptation and submit to God? This is what we should do. Ephesians 6, verse 10. I'm going to read through 17. Watch this. It says, a final word. Be strong in yourself. Uh-uh, no. I came to believe there's power greater than myself. Be strong in the Lord, in God. Be strong in him. And whose power? His mighty power. Now watch what he says. He's not finished. Put on the whole armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strangles, the strategies of the devil. Paul believed in the devil. Paul believed in evil. He said, put on the whole armor of God that you can stand against him. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers of darkness in, of darkness in this world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. He says, therefore... Now you know what we're dealing with. Therefore, put on this armor, put on every a piece of God's armor so that you, every piece of God's armor, not something we come, but what God gives us, that you'll be able to stand against the enemy. And after the battle, after the battle, you'll be standing. Do you get that? Isn't that good? We are winners with Christ in our hearts. Look what else he says. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Why? I'm a sinner. Cheap as the sinner, but it's God's righteousness. And then he goes on to say, put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Strategy. You'll be prepared when it comes. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith. Stand to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And then the last part, he says, put on the helmet of salvation and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Submit ourselves to the Lord. There's a law in physics, and it says that a vacuum will always be filled with whatever is near it. 
Now, I'm not a scientist, but, but I know some of you are. And so what I'm asking you today and what I'm asking myself is, if there's a vacuum in my life spiritually, what's close by? You get what I'm saying? And in the spiritual world, it's true in our hearts. What are we filling our hearts with? Is it Jesus? How often are we tempted to take those places in our hearts and fill them with the things of the world? How many times have I been tempted because I was spiritually lazy? We have to be focused. And we can do this through the power of Christ. Why would I preach a message like this? I hope this isn't a downer. I hope this is an upper because this teaches us that we can win. And when things are feel like the wheels are coming off the wagon, folks, we can win. And God can bring it back together. And he can take the broken pieces and he can pick them up and put them back together and use us for good and for his glory. That's the story of redemption. That's the great news. It doesn't have to be this way. Yes, temptations will come. Yes, we're going to slip. Things are going to happen on occasion where we'll falter. But here's the deal. We know now what we can do. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And what's he going to do? Flee from us. Martin Luther was the, the church father that started the Reformation. I know some of you grew up in the Catholic Church, and Martin Luther was the one that he had some objections, 95 of them, and he took this thing and he wrote it out and went over and nailed those on the door of the cathedral. And he was a, a godly man that went on, and, and people followed him because they believed in him. Martha, Martin Luther started the Reformation, and some of his people that were going with him, you know what they said? Listen, they wrote him a letter, kind of like a dear, uh, dear whatever my name is, Colonel Emerson or whatever, you know. They said, we are harassed by many temptations which, which appeal to us so often and so strongly, they give us no rest. Oh, I thought this was just something new in 2018. No, no. This was going on in the 1500s, 1600s, going on all through life. And they said, we get temptation so strongly, they give us no rest. You don't seem to be troubled in any way, they're writing to this guy. And we should, we should like to know your secret. Don't temptations ever bother you? Are you somehow immune to sin? <laughs> they're writing this to Martin Luther. Can you imagine what he thought? Well, here's what he thought. Let me ask, read back to you what he said. I too, I too know something of temptation, but the difference is that when temptation comes knocking at the door of my heart, I always answer, go away, this place is occupied. Go back where you came from, for Christ is here. You see, the key to temptation is submitting our hearts to the Lord. How often do we fail? Do we fill our hearts with the gospel message? And pray to him and for him to help us in the times of temptation. Another thing is that when we pray, we should ask him to lead us, not give in to sin. Way above our pay grade. Amen. He knows what's best for us. And he knows what you're going through today. Don't give in. The minister parked his car in a no parking zone on a city block. I wrote a note on the windshield and said, I've circled this place ten times this street. I can't find a parking place. If I don't park here, I'm going to miss my appointment. He put in quotations, forgive us of our trespasses. <laughs> and when you come back out after he had his meeting, you know, the preacher, some of us preachers are kind of like this at times, I guess, and when he comes back out, there's a ticket on his windshield. And the ticket on his windshield said, I've been working this street for 10 years, and if I don't give you a ticket, I'll lose my job. And he put in quotations, and lead us not into temptation. 
cast away the world. When we ask God to go and lead us, we should cast the world away. Now, for a person like me that feels they're spinning all the time, it's hard for me to cast it away. And sometimes I have to be brought to my knees to cast it away. But he's always there. And he's always there for you today. I want you to be encouraged by this message. That though things come into our lives, things take us down, sometimes things beat us and we feel like we're defeated, don't you give up. If you have a God that loves you, that sent his son to die on a cross for you, then you can overcome and you can be victorious. Submit our ways to the Lord. We can resist temptation. There's always a way out. Yes, Kemp, but you know, in, in my back behind, behind me, listen, we've all got things in our lives. But thanks be to God, we are saved by the grace of God. And he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that good? Isn't that a great thing? Isn't that exciting? And God can take things and turn it around for us in a situation that we can't see. But we have to be willing to let God work in our lives. We must submit ourselves to the Lord, just like Joseph. Isn't it time to send the devil a message? Isn't it time to send him a message? Go away. This place is occupied. Go back where you came from. Father, thank you that we have hope. And while that we studied a little bit about temptation, we see that there are steps, but there's also steps to where we can, through your power, overcome those things when they come into our lives. And God, I just pray that the message of restoration goes out today, that we can realize that you love us and that when we're tempted, you're there for us, Lord. And God, I don't know everyone in this building, but I know you, and I know you know who they are, and I know you love them. And so I pray, God, that your word would go out today, that they can take heart they can be encouraged that you love them. Even in the midst of all the things that go on in our lives, you're there for us if we just cast it all to you. Thank you for that. Thank you for your love for us. Lord, be with us in this time as we go into the time of submission. We pray you have your way and we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me.